Welcome back to another episode of Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all the latest news, reviews, and speculation concerning Marvel films and TV shows. Our panel today is our usual crew. We've got Adam. What's going on, guys? I'm on Twitter and Instagram, and that's about it. At Adam Barnhart, A-D-A-M-B-A-R-N-H-A-R-D-T. And we've got Rhiannon. Hey, guys. You can find me as Brooklyn Wallace on the Twitter, and that is at Shot of Patron. And I'm Caleb. You can find me on Twitter at Caleb A. Borchers. Uh, we would love for you guys to check out the second podcast in our family over here at Marvel News Desk. That's AP Marvel. I believe, Rhiannon, your episode is up this week. Uh, that's uh, what, What's it about? So the episode that just dropped, because it'll come out before this podcast is dropped, is about... Um, is everybody a good guy until they decapitate somebody with a car door? About the just sort of moral ambiguity um, of our heroes. I am sure that will be a good listen. It sounds like it'll be in the uh, little bit in the daredevil wheelhouse, so that is good. Um, also, we'd love for you guys to subscribe to us on YouTube. You can do that at watch.marvelnewsdesk.com. I was just going to say thanks to everybody who's following us on Twitter and sending up stuff and talking to us. I checked out the Twitter account this week and I was like, wow, there's a lot more people following us. And every time we tweet stuff, we're getting more retweets and all that stuff's kind of building. And that was, that's cool. Um, also, uh, if you are not already a Patreon subscriber, I'm just going to mention that we talked about a couple videos that were happening this week, right, Adam? And uh, I think Charles is going to have yeah. a new um, supercut mm-hmm. that I think will probably go up to Patreon first. Sure. So it's it's not of the scale of an Infinity War supercut, but it'll be of a awesome character that we all love in the MCU. Charles is the man when it comes to these supercuts. So if you want to see that ahead of time, uh, definitely uh, subscribe to us on Patreon. Give us a buck a month, and we'll let you see that before we let anybody else in the world see it. So. Uh, just wanted to push that real quick before we move on into the show. So let's start by talking about release dates. First of all, let's talk about the ones that we've heard more firm things on. Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is definitely coming July of next year. Uh, apparently Elizabeth Henstridge mentioned that on her Instagram. Uh, I think that's pretty much what we were expecting. Uh, also, Runaways is going to come on December 21st, and they're going to drop all 13 episodes this year at once. Uh, which also, I think, is an addition, right? It was only 10 episodes last year? They make a bigger order this year? I think it was only 10, yeah. I thought it was 13. Man, we so behind on our, like... What's, wait, yeah, what's Runaways? So, Runaways Season 1 had 10 episodes. So, are you guys excited about uh, Runaways coming right in time for to, to be underneath your Christmas tree? I don't think of it as a Christmas feel-good, you know, story. But I always do like something for when I get tired of being around family. <laughs> right. Nothing says family <laughs> holidays like running away from mom and dad. Yes. Yes. I need time to myself, you guys. Sure, yeah. I wonder what their uh, dis- the decision-making process was um, behind doing the binge-watching drop, you know? Um, I, I'm not going to lie. I totally didn't mind doing the, the one episode a week. 
especially because last year we got screeners so we could watch whatever the heck we wanted and we didn't need to watch it after it dropped or whatever um i don't know I, I, it depends on the show i guess i mean cloak and dagger and, and runaways I, I thought they were a lot they were e- more easy to consume I mean, you know, then you look at a thing like Jessica Jones, and I think that would have been better week to week instead of trying to crank out all 13 episodes in one sitting or whatever. Um, So I I guess I don't know. Um, Certain things are probably more easily bingeable than others. Um, I don't know. Runaways just doesn't seem like a property. I'll probably take a day off work and... And said, that's my birthday weekend too, by the way. So I don't think I'll probably waste my birthday weekend watching Runaways. But, yeah, I don't... I wonder if it's... I mean, we're obviously not their target audience. I think we've determined that. So if it's that the kids are out of school for Christmas, spend their holiday break binging Runaways, and then they go back at the first of the year and, you know, what'd you do for Christmas? What'd you do for Christmas? Well, I watched this really cool TV show from start to finish. And maybe they're hoping that there'll be buzz from that. Maybe it's... Or they cause, like, massive outbursts of bullying. That, too. No. It is interesting to me that Cloak and Dagger dropped basically when summer vacation started. Yeah. Like, I think that lends a little credence to this argument that uh, every time they have a teen show in Marvel, they drop it near when school lets out. I think that's... Maybe it's coincidental, but it's interesting. I also wonder if the dropping the 13 episodes is because Hulu is changing. Um, you know, Hulu has kind of just been like the outlet for the, the networks. And so they kind of do network thinking. But now with the Fox deal, Hulu is becoming adult Disney Netflix. You know, and there's going to be kid family Disney Netflix. And there's ESPN Netflix. You know, like, I just wonder if that's changed their model. So I'm personally just frustrated because... I'm going to have to try to find a time. It's one of my busiest times of the year with work and with kids and with family to try to watch the show. And I hate it for the podcast because we usually take a break. So when are we going to do our Runaways episode? But those are all very pedantic concerns that I alone have. And we also have to keep in mind, I mean, Hulu, I mean, they have all the data. They know how people watched season one of Runaways. So maybe they know that most people just binged it. Maybe the week to week maybe was a rarity but yeah yeah podcast hiatus i'm planning to take a lot of time off at christmas so we can just do whatever oh i'll come help you wrap presents for your kids and stuff and then (laughs) you'd be welcome rihanna we could just (laughs) you could be part of the part of the family as long as you don't mind little feet waking you up at six o'clock in the morning running up and down the hallway Uh, i kind of do no (laughs) (laughs) I <laughs> don't blame you. All right, so that'll leave us to the other release date. That So here's basically what happened. Iron Fist screeners went out. Uh, we're excited because Netflix is uh, working with us, so we're going to be able to review Iron Fist for you. That embargo won't go up until like two days before the show comes out, so just keep a watch on the YouTube channel. But then almost as soon as Iron Fist sent out the first six episodes to the media... They also sent out Daredevil's first six episodes to the media, which seems to suggest that Daredevil is screaming at us real fast. 
Guys, based on this news, what are you thinking as far as when we're going to get Daredevil on Netflix uh, season three? On the surface, it's probably not out of question to still go in that uh, the slot that the Punisher would be in. Um, although that's incredibly unlikely because that would give like a month uh, between the reviews and the premiere. I mean, it could come as soon as... I mean, it's too... It, it, it won't... So the review embargo date... I mean, that's because we skipped that part. The review embargo date for Daredevil is October 12th? Yeah, so so it can't. they can't do a surprise drop at New York Comic Con like they were going to do with The Punisher. They could, but then they won't. <laughs> um, so... It would be weird yeah, to embargo uh, reviews on a show that the whole world could yeah. see. Yeah, and it's the type of thing. I mean, they could probably change the review embargo date as well if they really wanted. I don't see why not. Um, yeah, it, it's the the release date's still technically to be determined. So I'm not sure what the the play is. Um, you know, if they don't release that, obviously that would provide some sort of surprise at New York. Um, I guess it would have been helpful if we knew what was going on with the Punisher last year. You know, did they send out these embargo notices and, and the embargo date was before New York Comic Con or what? Um, so, yeah, I mean, more than likely, probably by the end of October, we'll get Daredevil Season 3. I would think they're going to wait till after Comic-Con. At the at earliest, they'll drop it at Comic-Con. Because I just think that there'll be a whole lot less sizzle. I assume they're going to do Madison Square Garden, big presentation on Saturday, as they typically have been doing. Uh, I can't imagine that they'll do that for a show that has already been released, right? Like, I would think that they would want that opportunity to really, like, pump up to, like, fever pitch the excitement for the show before they drop it, so... I hope that's the case. And I hope like Daredevil gets, I mean, because at San Diego, it was just Iron Fist. They, I mean, twice Jeff Loeb threw out a little rest in peace, Matt Murdock, but that was the closest to referencing any other other show as he came. So I hope Daredevil gets a panel that's just Daredevil, that he doesn't have to share the stage, that they don't make it a Daredevil Punisher panel or... You know, a Marvel Netflix panel that happens to have Daredevil. And yeah, I mean, I think the folks at New York Comic Con are getting the first episode. So we're thinking uh, Daredevil probably sometime in October, maybe November. Uh, We'll see. But part of the question, too, is we've just found out that Punisher just wrapped. And so I think at this point we've been shocked at how quickly these shows have been coming out and how fast they've moved. We're fairly sure they'll wait for Punisher for next year, right? Like, there's there's no chance we get five in a year, is there? A very Punisher Christmas. You'll have to, like, skip Christmas altogether, watch Runaways and Punisher. Deck the halls with people's eyeballs or blood or whatever, you know? I, like <laughs> Blood and... blood. Deck the halls with blood and gory... Frank, I don't know. We'll let nice. Michael T. Ford come up with the lyrics. He's yes. good. At, he's good at. Yeah, he'll come up with something. Uh, Netflix is cranking these things out, though. 
I I don't know. I mean, it could very it could come this year still. It very well could. I mean, for sure we're gonna get. There's got to be at least a Punisher panel in New York. If not, I mean, we'll definitely have a trailer by then. We don't have a trailer for Iron Fist yet. Uh-huh. I mean, with that, we're recording on Wednesday, so I'm sure by saying that... The- yeah, but that's yeah, that's its own deal. I, I, I have no idea what they're doing with that. Editor's note, they did drop a trailer mere hours after we recorded. Well, but to be fair, I mean, the main, trailers for, the main trailer for Luke Cage didn't drop until two weeks ahead, so... Uh, we're just now getting into that zone. I'm trying to remember Jessica Jones season two. I think the trailer hit like December 10th, December 12th of last year. Something like that for a February or March release. Yeah, but we at least got a, we got a Luke Cage trailer at least well in before two weeks. Right? We did, but it was very... It was very... Bushmaster was, like, hardly in it. Like, it was, like, him coming out of the the semi-truck on fire. He's like, I'm Luke Cage, and you know where to find me, and that was it. Like... Yeah, but it was still way more than punching the street in the middle, like, punching an alleyway. That's not... You can't call that a... They've done... They've released more cliffs on their Twitter, if you compiled all those clips that they've released on Twitter, that's a trailer right there. That's that's a lot more than they released on at San Diego. I was about to say, I'm trying to remember if there was some sort of trailer shown at San Diego or if it was just... I think it was just that little thing that you guys saw where he punches the asphalt. Oh, and talked about the war. Or maybe that was one of the fight clips. I'm also trying to remember, last year Jessica Jones, the trailer dropped at like, wasn't it the Brazilian Comic Con or something? Like, is it pun- is it possible that they're saving Punisher for that? Yeah. When is that? When is Brazilian Comic Con? I thought it already had, I thought Brazil already happened. Um, I don't know, we'll edit it together so it sounds like we knew instantaneously. December! Alright, what, what's the date? Uh, December 6th through December 9th. Alright, that's my bet. That's when we're going to get a Punisher trailer and a release date. We'll do a very Punisher... A very Punisher Valentine's. Worked for Deadpool. Yeah. Nothing cheers you up in the middle of a dark and gloomy January like Punisher. It's the feel-good hit of the winter. IMAX, here at the end of August and early September, is going to uh, release... uh, Not release, but they're going to show... All 20 MCU films. Uh, it's a very specific schedule. It's like Iron Man's going to be at 1 o'clock on a Tuesday or something. And then at 4 o'clock they're going to show Hulk and Iron Man 2 at 7. Like you're, It's going to be limited chances. But it's also the first time that Iron Man, Incredible Hulk, and Iron Man 2 have ever been available. Or Captain America First Avenger have ever been available on IMAX screens. Um it's kind of a cool promotion. It makes a whole lot more sense than potentially, you know, taking a property and creating a crappy TV series to kind of give content to IMAX in September. Um, what uh, if you guys were to go back to see one of these movies in IMAX? Is there one of the MCU movies that you'd really like to go see with this kind of limited time engagement deal, where you could go see one of the old ones on the big screen? A uh, quick fun fact, there's not a uh, single regular IMAX theater in the state of Iowa. 
So this question is a moot point for me. There's got to be one in Omaha, right? Oh, there's one in Omaha. That's still three hours, two and a half, three hours. But if I had to choose one, probably Doctor Strange. I saw that in IMAX and it was nuts. So because I was late to the bandwagon, I didn't even see like Iron Man in theaters. So I don't think. So I'd probably try to catch like Iron Man and Avengers. I'm with you. I, I didn't. I saw Avengers in the theater, but not on the IMAX. And so, like that big 360 like team shot, you know, like where they start, you know, up on the building. Like yeah. I think that'd be pretty fun. Or those giant like alien uh, robot things. I'd totally be up for that. That'd be fun. Uh, Chris Pratt was asked about the uh, James Gunn situation uh, recently, and he really didn't say a whole lot. Um, it seems that they really want to allow the statement that the cast made to be their statement and not say anything else. Uh, we talked about this a lot last week. Adam, did you have any thoughts on Chris Pratt's most recent comments? Nah, not really. I mean, we're gonna we'll hear stuff about this situation for years to come i mean what yeah i don't i thought he said something like it's maybe i'm phrasing it wrong but something about moving on was that what he said i can't remember um i know he said something of that nature so i i it's kind of unsettling that we haven't got i mean we had alan horn's statement right but kevin feige hasn't said anything um or anyone from studios proper so I don't know. I think I would be a lot more understanding or settled down if we heard something from Marvel Studios. Now, do you mean Marvel Studios or Marvel Central Offices? And are those in New York or are they in Los Angeles? Right. Yeah. Oh Can, uh, what's the, what's the story on sound stages again? Uh, that's an inside joke that might not make the podcast, but I thought it was funny nonetheless. <laughs> Fun fact, they did not hey. actually film on top of the Mercedes-Benz Superdome <laughs> in Cloak and Dagger. Let me tell you guys about the magic of television. <laughs> Believe it or not, they were able to superimpose that on top. As if the, the lack of the Mercedes logo. I mean, that's the first thing that we noticed, right? Was there's no corporate logo on the top. Yeah. Oh... But then how did they zoom out, you guys? Oh, man. It's magic. These movies are magic. <laughs> Speaking of movie magic, uh, Tom Holland had a uh, Instagram post showing some filming from the Spider-Man Far From Home set. And uh, he had a extra that was on, like, a Italian street getting doused with water, which made people immediately go, oh, my goodness, it's Hydro-Man. Did you guys, uh, do you guys think that's a legitimate interpretation of that? Or are they just totally messing with us to try to take us off the scent of what's really happening? I think with Tom Holland, they are going to reveal things that, how do I say this? It is what we think it is. The old, the old Dennis Green quote, they are who we thought they were. You know, with Tom Holland, you might as well might as well do that stuff because no one's going to believe him the way it is after his reputation so you might as well just reveal the reveal the stuff next video they're going to have like moon knight swinging in the background or something and then tom's like oh hey there's my friend mark and everyone's like ah he's lying by the way that would be the worst way to introduce moon knight into the mcu 
is to put him in a Spider-Man movie. Bunch of oh, for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it's... I mean, I don't know if I want Hydro-Man. I mean, I love them going back to some of these old school villains, but Hydro-Man always seemed really B-list or C-list to me. Like, he is not someone I'm excited to have. Yeah, see, and then this, that's my main problem with it. You just kind of said it a little bit. You were saying Hydro-Man to begin with, but everyone's going to say Hydro-Man, because that's how oh. I say it, but he's not in Hydra. Hydra. Smell what I'm stepping in? Like hail. Yeah. Hail yeah. Hydro-Man. So, I know nothing about Hydro-Man, but is he related to the reason that, like, Mysterio wears the fishbowl over his head? Like, are they related aqua Not remotely related whatsoever. (laughs) Hydro-Man gifted that fishbowl to Mysterio (laughs) after a freak drowning accident? It does bother me how Australians say Aquaman. It's, uh, it's Aquaman. They say Aquaman in Australia. That's not cool, Australians. Stop (laughs) Knock it off! But while we're on this, can we talk about the sidebar? You brought Aquaman up. Can we talk about Tom Cruise as Hal Jordan just for a second? How bizarre is that? The, I thought it was Mark Wahlberg. No, no. Now it's Tom Cruise. Maybe it's going to be Marky Mark and Tom Cruise as the Green Lantern Corps. How about that? That seems weird. Yeah, it's bizarre. No Habla DC. I had to go Google Hal Jordan. But then again, I just had to Google Hydro Man too. Yeah, the the Marvel. So that would be like Tom Cruise being cast as uh, Richard Rider. There was a uh, a report. I feel like there's a weekly report on this about the Sony films. Um, this one was pretty well sourced. Uh, suggested a couple things. Suggested that Silver and Black might be split into two movies: Silver Sable and Black Cat. Uh, it said that Venom will be PG thirteen. Because they're desperately hoping that Marvel lets them have Spider-Man in a Venom movie eventually. And they think if Venom is R-rated, then it'll uh, not be possible. And they also let us know that they're working on a Jackpot movie. At which point, all three of us simultaneously Google Jackpot. Because we've never heard of that character before. (laughs) Um, At this point, I feel like there's not much to talk about. But, (laughs) I mean, this is all very dis disheartening right nah man this is they saw they're like oh marvel studios took guardians of the galaxy and made it this huge franchise and then these bozos sit in a conference room and they look through the marvel's official guide to spider-man characters and they're like wow this is the most obscure person this is the most obscure person this is the most obscure person they're each getting trilogies. It's just bizarre. Jackpot? You cannot tell me there was a single person on the face of the planet that wanted a Jackpot movie. Yeah. I, so, at this point, every time I hear about a Sony project, I immediately filter it through what movie has been popular in the last two years. Right? So, it's like, oh, Wonder Woman did really well. Women must be popular now. What women characters do we have? Well, we've got Black Widow, we've got Silver Sable, we've got Jackpot. We light them all. <laughs> right. And then yeah. it's like, hey, Deadpool was popular. They like antiheroes. And they're like, oh, Morbius, Venom, let's do it. You know? And then, and then like we talked about, Black Panther did really well. Do we have anybody who's not white in our roster? Oh, hey, let's do, let's do Silk. You know, like, it's just... I, it, that's the way I, I assume that they're making these decisions. I don't know how else you get to the idea that a jackpot movie is a good idea. Also, Sony, if you have any access to like screeners, we'd love to take them. 
Just, just say. <laughs> yes. Please, we'd lo- we'd love to see Venom early. Exactly. Michael T. Ford. Exactly. Best comment to the the live chat. <laughs> Jackpot must have been what they were smoking when they came up with that idea. <laughs> oh. All right, uh, there was a little bit of back and forth this week um, where people said that X-Men Dark Phoenix was reshooting, was doing three months of reshoots, and then someone was like, no, no, they're not, and there was, I don't know. I, I, the, the media squabbles I can't hardly take anymore, but it looks like they're reshooting some of that movie. Maybe lots of that movie, maybe not lots of that movie. Every time I read a certain person's tweets on Twitter, I, I, I read it in that voice you just said. Like that, yeah, that mocking voice. That's exactly how I read the tweet. We can get back to the mocking voice in the mailbag. There yeah, was someone wants you. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> also, there was a report about Fox coming out of, I think, the Wall Street Journal that basically said that it's this really weird, sad, lame duck situation at this point where Fox continues to operate like normal while knowing that they're all going to get fired very soon. But from a Marvel perspective, it suggests that all these movies are going to come out like we expect, so. Uh, finally, uh, Remy Hill, who's apparently in Crazy Rich Asians, is going to be in Spider-Man Far From Home, to which I say, great, good on you. I have no idea who you are, so I'm the worst person to talk to about casting news. Um, any of that new stuff? Anything else you guys want to talk about before we move on from our news section? Uh, it does have to be weird showing up to work at Fox. You know, like, how how do you do it? I mean, it's not like Simon Kinberg showed up to his job in the past few years anyways, but, you know, it's just kind of... <laughs> well, I mean, I, obviously not in that situation, but I've worked for a mega corporation that was bought by another mega corporation. So on a very completely different level, the mindset that you have with some people is, hey, I'm going to stay around... I'm too lazy to go look for another job, so I'm going to stay around and see if I can really impress my new employer by how I held whatever we have left together. You know? So maybe there's some people at Fox that are like, man, if I manage to, like, sneak in this blockbuster right now, then Disney's going to love me. If someone can hold together Dark Phoenix, (laughs) best luck to them. Right? They deserve a raise. While there's no executives to, like, step in. and That's your moment of optimism. <laughs> See, we try to be optimistic sometimes. You guys were At being, least like, one really of us. negative bully types for a second there. I had to throw something nice out. <laughs> Poor Simon Kinberg was getting picked on. We just could not stand for that. Poor Simon. All right. Uh, there is no trailers. There's no TV shows to review. This is that when we usually do that in the show. Uh, we will do a quick reminder that we are doing our summer reading club. Uh, that has started up. We've started the Facebook group. I've been excited that we've got some people that have joined the uh, the Facebook group. We're going to start doing more posts on that. Um, if you want to know more details about that, check out last week's episode of the podcast. You also can find um, at marvelnewsdesk.com more details about it. We're reading Kelly Sue DeConnick's first run on uh, Captain Marvel, so... Uh, like I said, those places are great places to check out more of that stuff. All right, uh, we're going to have a conversation today that we've kind of talked about a little bit in the past, but I don't think we've ever done a full um, main topic on. 
you may or may not be aware that Disney XD this weekend, uh, or Monday, uh, re- <clears throat> excuse me, Disney XD on Monday released uh, Marvel Rising, which is their new um, superhero show. It's a cartoon. Uh, they are, I think, aiming mostly for uh, younger people, particularly young girls, which is a thing that now DC and Star Wars and Marvel are all doing to try to get young female fans when they're little kids. Um, and so we're going to use that as a way to springboard into a conversation of generally animated stuff. Uh, we're going to try to be a little more broad than obviously just that show. Uh, but before we go on to anything else, I know Adam said he had watched a little bit of it. Um, what would you think of it, Adam? Yeah, it was a show. No, it was, it was good. Like I mentioned to you, there's one moment, um, there's one moment in there where I actually laughed out loud. I literally LOL'd. Just one moment. Um, obviously, it's p- catered to an entirely, uh, completely different demographic. We were talking about different demographics with Runaways and Cloak and Dagger, but this is completely different. Um, super enjoyable, though. Uh, you see all sorts of characters. Miss Marvel's in there, and she yells and big in, and I, I kind of got giddy just hearing, you know, and big in. Um, Squirrel Girl was hilarious. It's just, and like you, we'd mentioned uh, before, you mentioned that hearing Chloe Bennett voice Quake, you know, it kind of, it's a nice little callback to her character in other shows. But it did seem weird hearing Ruby voice, not Ruby, Dove Cameron voice. Ghost Spider, the freshly renamed Ghost Spider. Um, but yeah, it was enjoyable for I mean twenty minutes. Yeah, I think there was six episodes released, but they were all like four minutes long, something like that. Is that what it was? Because I was watching and then like I found it and it was like full series, and I was like, but it's only twenty minutes. Yeah, that yeah, can't yeah. Be right. It's it's super. It was super weird. Like I don't know who would want to watch the uh, individual episodes. I guess because they're cut in the most bizarre places. Like one actually cuts right in the middle of like Miss Marvel throwing a punch, and then the next episode starts. But yeah, I mean, twenty minute watch. Uh, it was cool. I mean, and that's. I'm not sure where you're taking this conversation, but that would be a super way to introduce Z-less characters. All these Darkhawk mainly, you know. Um, but I think it would be it'd be they could do some pretty cool things with animation. Yeah, I I don't know if they did market research that found people like this. They did the same thing when Star Wars did their Forces of Destiny series, which was like again, uh, sort of like elementary age girl show that they did for Star Wars. Um, they did the same thing where they they made a bunch of like three or four minute shorts and then they show it on Disney XD and they just show you like seven of them in a row as like an episode of TV, but then they load them onto YouTube and I guess it's, they figure kids have short attention spans or something. But like, I don't get it because they're not like, I mean, if you're going to call each four minute segment an episode, it seems like it should have a plot that wraps up and it didn't feel like it was a four minute little like plot that sort of wrapped up and then, it just felt like they didn't know how to explain commercials to to your little girls. <laughs> yeah. So this the, is like the, a little episode. 
So, so let's. So this was like. So it was called Marvel Rising Initiation, right? So this is a precursor to something, right? Because they had, like Rihanna just said, it was the the plot was. It's certainly not resolved, I guess. Yeah, no, I think that I forget. I think there's going to be a feature length, um, movie at some point. If it's like other stuff that they make for my kids, they do this, and then there's going to be a feature length movie, and then that's going to be an ongoing series. There's also a series of comic books that have been coming out that are kind of in line with it. So my girls have been reading those as well. So it's very effective. Okay, like, uh, in fact, <laughs> I will. Uh, this might be a little narcissistic. I actually have a little uh, review clip I will put in here from the uh, the kiddos of what they thought of this, so you can see what the uh, target demographic thought of this. But my kids were were super stoked about it, and I like it because finally Marvel is trying to keep up with what DC and Star Wars have been doing with them for a long time. So I am here with my three oldest kiddos, and we have just watched Marvel Rising, and you guys give a quick review. What did you think? It was good, amazing, amazing, awesome. And who was your favorite character? Miss Marvel and Squirrel Girl. Miss Marvel and Squirrel Girl. Yeah. That was your favorites. Yeah. Why did you like them? Um, because I never saw them. Then I saw. I didn't know it was a Miss Marvel. I just. Mom said Miss Marvel book was something. I didn't know. Oh, because your mom likes Miss Marvel? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Quake. Why? Because she actually knows what she's doing. Oh, okay, because Quake has experience. Spider Gwen. What did they call her in this one? Ghost Spider. Ghost Spider? Why did you like her? Because she's white. Because <laughs> she has a white costume? Yes. All right, so do you guys think when they start making more of these that you're going to want to watch them? Uh, yes. All right. Thanks, guys. So we talked about that show. Uh, Rhiannon, did you have anything else that you wanted to say about it before we move on? No, I mean, I watched I watched some of it. I didn't make it all the way to the end. Um, and it was cute. It was cute. It was fun. I probably, when I was that age, I would have enjoyed watching it every Saturday morning. Do the kids still watch cartoons on Saturday morning, even if they are, like, YouTubing them or whatever? No, they watch them whenever they want to. That's that's the beauty of streaming is they, they watch cartoons when they want to. Spoiled kids. All right, so let's go ahead and expand that conversation just a little bit beyond, obviously, all this stuff. So this is more of a kid's show. Uh, I think it tells us some things about where Marvel's going. But before we get there, I mean, let's just talk about animation a little more generally. Um, if Disney were to create a animated show particularly for the disney streaming service that was specifically within mcu continuity um do you think that you would watch it like is that something that would interest you as an adult viewer i don't know man i mean if it was in the continuity and you had to watch it because that might be where they throw in mark specter oh please no <laughs> No, I mean I'd watch it. That that would be making me one way to one way to watch it. I mean, what what type of animation are we talking about? I would much rather watch like a Star Wars Rebels type show than a Marvel Rising show that was in continuity. Just I I don't know what it was if it was just the animation style or what, but 
I don't know. If it's in continuity, I'm going to watch whatever, what type of animation or what type of cartoon it is. But, like I said, it's a good way to introduce those people, and we've seen it happen before. Uh, Saw on Star Wars, was he on Clone Wars, or he was on one of the shows? I mean, he was in Rogue One, too. So, that would be putting a lot of faith into Marvel to actually do something like that, which would probably never happen. Well, I mean, if we think about it, if, like, they gave us the Spider-Man, the MCU Spider-Man's origin story, somehow, you know, in these cartoons, it might be interesting. You know, that's something that there's no sense in them going back and visiting it in a movie or anything. And it could be interesting to see in cartoon form. Like, I might watch it after you watched it and told me I needed to watch it. I mean, I think it is helpful to look at what Star Wars has done because Star Wars has a interconnected universe. They do continuity better than Marvel does continuity. And Star Wars has really done kind of three different things. They did Clone Wars, which was a anthology series almost. And it had like a um, like Lost Tales kind of feel to it where it was all these stories between episode two and episode three of the star Wars saga. And so it was like, you've only seen Anakin and Obi-Wan go on one or two missions together. And they're always kind of talking about these things that they've done. What if we told you about this time that they went to this planet and they had this adventure together and they build up uh, kind of their, their camaraderie and they show what they've done um, or, hey, let's show you uh, Yoda on his own mission. Or let's do a couple episodes about droids. Or let's fill out Queen Amidala's background. And that's kind of what they did with that show. And I think that's one option is to... Um, I don't... You know, we, we know the Avengers were doing something between Avengers and Avengers Age of Ultron. That wasn't their second mission when they, you know, uh, stopped uh, Hydra at the castle in Sokovia. So show us some of those missions. Show them some of the other times that they interacted. The second thing that Star Wars did was the thing like Rebels, where it was sort of a totally separate cast that told a different story. And as Adam said, it's a way to introduce other characters. So if you want to do a West Coast Avengers show, you could do that. That would be dope. But bringing back to your point about like the... Uh... Missions between missions. Um, so that would probably mean the first animated series would be called Budapest? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly the kind of story you could tell. Hmm. Now, obviously, Ewan McGregor wasn't the voice of Obi-Wan in the show, was he? Um, I actually don't remember. I'm going to have to IMDB that real quick. Uh, but some of the actors were this. I mean, for example, Samuel L. Jackson did not sign up. I mean, just from going to cons, like having not watched these animated series, but the voices for these shows get a lot of attention um, at cons. Like, I mean, Mark Hamill's Joker is big, popular deal. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of people that associate the Joker with Mark Hamill as much as Luke. Another example is Star Wars had this character named Ahsoka Tano, and the voice actress for her, uh, whose name I'm not going to be able to remember, uh, but she has, her name's Ashley Eckstein, I think. She has started her own clothing line. Um, she has, like, 
she wrote a book about the character. She's now wrote another book for Disney. Like her voice cast role in that show has made her super popular within the Star Wars community. Um, and her coming back is part of the big deal about Clone Wars relaunching. The other thing they did, which I, I think is really interesting, though, is that Star Wars also did this little Forces of Destiny thing where they mashed up female characters across different films. So they're like, what if our character from Clone Wars met our character from, like, met Princess Leia? Or what if this Rebels character were to hang out with Jyn Erso from, um, uh, from Rogue One? And so the cool thing about that for the MCU is this could also be the way that we do crossovers. Like, if we want to see Daredevil and Spidey together, if it's not going to happen any other way, it can happen animation-wise. And, like, I think they could even convince some of these actors to do it. Like, what would it mean... What would it look like for Quake to meet Maria Hill? Like, that could totally happen in animation world in a way it can't happen on the TV side. But if you're not using the, the voice cast, or if you're not using the right cast members i mean why what purpose to have it i mean why is it got to be canon why does it have to be in continuity then just based on events like if they name drop the incident you know i mean what's i guess what would make that more beneficial than just what they do now i guess so what i like about being in continuity and again this is coming from the star wars perspective um the prequels really screwed up and that Anakin Skywalker was not a likable character. But I have now watched six seasons of um, of Clone Wars and I like Anakin. Like, they, they were able to go back in time and fix those movies to a degree in that I like that character more. Return of the Jedi is a more meaningful movie 20, 30 years after it was done because I know the history of Darth Vader in the Clone Wars from the cartoon. And it just lets you, it just lets you deepen everything, right? We've talked about how these, um, like Infinity War is great because it's 19 movies in and there's all this, this back history. The TV shows just let you tell more and more and more stories. And so like a character like Pepper Potts that might not feel fully fleshed out, we haven't seen enough of. Maybe they could fill her out. Maybe we could uh, get some Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch stories and suddenly his death in Age of Ultron would mean more because now I've had five hours of the history of the, the Maximoff twins. Does that make sense? Like, you can just make your stuff richer, I feel. Oh, for sure. I gotcha. Yeah, I get it. Adam, I mean, you mentioned that you could do some kind of different characters that maybe uh, would not be as popular in other places. Can you think of characters that you guys would think would be rife for animation would just be a good fit uh in the animated sphere that wouldn't maybe work in live action pretty much any character introduced in the 90s i'm talking you know the dark hawk sleepwalker shatterstar um just those really 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 deep cut characters you know i mean even then it's I mean, Iron Fist. Yeah, yeah. We're talking Z-list characters. I would just, I, anything <laughs> that's, I, I would guess, obviously characters we haven't seen before. You know, it comes back to the end continuity thing. What if the movie universe hasn't referenced the Netflix shows yet? Why would they reference cartoons? And at least, again, using Star Wars as a model, the movies will have Easter eggs from the cartoons. But it usually... Well, no, that's not true. Uh, Solo, I won't... It's been recent enough, I won't spoil it. Solo has right. some stuff that makes very little sense unless you watch the cartoons. 
So I guess Star Wars had the guts to do it in a way that Marvel probably would. Well, the, like Saw, what's his name? Saw something? Force Whitaker. He originated Saw in the... Saw Guerrera, yeah. Yeah, he originated in this series, right? And he had, I mean, he had a huge... It wasn't like it was a cameo role in Rogue One by any means. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, character-wise, yeah, a lot of... A lot of people that will never, ever get a movie. Or that should never get a movie. So maybe, like, Silver Sable and Jackpot and Nightwatch and Morbius. Jackpot then, animated show. That is the yeah. way forward for that character. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so this is a little bit of a leading question, uh, but we talked about it ahead. I think we'll, we'll get to where I'm going. Based on what we've seen as far as which characters they put in this new Marvel Rising show, uh, do you think Marvel is tipping their hands at all of where they think their future is as far as characters that they would like to develop in the movies and the TV shows outside of animation? Like, Do you think it's any accident that they have picked the characters they have for these kids' shows? They know where their target audience is and maybe a market that they're trying to loop in. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of girl power going on. Um, I mean, but on the other hand, they've had a Spider-Man animated series that, if I remember correctly from a New York Comic Con panel I went to a couple years ago, they intended to be loosely related. Like he was wearing the sweatsuit Spidey suit for a little bit. Um, I mean, so like, yeah, it's a girl series. You know, it's a girl focused series that appears to be marketed to girls. But um, they've had others too. And they do have a woman superhero coming out next year. So maybe they are just sort of trying to get a little bit of the audience after watching marvel rising you know who would be the perfect group to kick off the animated part of the mcu because i maybe we'll see them in live action but i am not completely sold it's something it's probably at the top of caleb's live action want list who's that champions yeah champions that would be a great animated series but i mean i think they're similar in that I don't think it's any mistake. You look at this, this show, and you've got Spider, um, Ghost Spider and Squirrel Girl, who are white women. But then you have a Pakistani-American girl. You have Patriot, who's obviously African-American guy. They're going to bring in America. It'll be interesting to see if they deal with sexuality issues with her at all in a kid's show. Um, uh, They've been pushing uh, Dante, or uh, not, his name's Dante, but Inferno, the Inhuman, which, why do you go with Inferno instead of Human Torch? Well, because I think it, um, Dante is Hispanic, right? Like, it seems like they very much have decided to go as multi-ethnic as possible with this cartoon. With lots of different characters from lots of different backgrounds. And there was even talk about it in the press tour coming up. And I think that that shows Marvel's hand in that the future of the MCU is going to be more ethnically diverse, more female focused. Um, they are, they are literally trying to raise a generation of kids so that the demand for miles Morales and, uh, America and, uh, miss Marvel is going to be out the roof 
in 10 years, you know, like it, it definitely looks like there is a company wide desire to go that way. And I know that that wrinkles some people, um, don't, don't send us tweets. Oh, social justice warriors ruining the world. Okay. Shut up. We, (laughs) we don't need to hear it, but I think it, I think it's indicative of what Marvel's trying to do. Right. Also, if you ever send me a message like that on Twitter, that is the easiest way to get blocked. Also, I like the, (laughs) I thought the last Jedi was perfectly fine. So, also, if you're trying to find me on Twitter and I, you can't appear to find me, I might have preemptively blocked you for that kind of BS. Oh, I'm glad I'm not the only one that does that. I'll search threads <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm blocking him and him and oh, him totes. and him. And yeah. him and... Uh, the other piece about this that I thought was interesting, um, we're seeing a lot of people double dipping in their Marvel world. So we said Chloe Bennett is a voice on this show. Uh, Ming-Na Wen, who plays um, Agent May, is uh, going to be one of the voices as well. We saw Dove Cameron, who was on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., now be in this show. Um, I think uh, the Squirrel Girl girl is the same voice, right? Um, Squirrel... Squ- say that. Squirrel Say that once, Adam. Say it once. Squirrel 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 so, girl. Yeah. It's easier to say squirrel girl girl than it is to say uh, Maya Buchab or I don't know her name yet. So um, it does seem to me this is an interesting two for one. Like it seems like an easier way to get actors if you can say that you're going to get some opportunity, some voice acting work and a little extra cash on the side. It could help in recruiting actors and actresses as well. That or it's a solid consolation prize. Hey, your show didn't get picked up. So here beyond this cartoon. But I like your idea a lot more. Trying to make a joke about going back to optimism, but it's just not coming. Right. See, here on the podcast, we try to be as balanced as possible. Unless you are a jerk. Right. <laughs> That's what we don't put up well with, is jerks. <laughs> we just have no time for that. You can All right, like there's one Iron more Fist. question. You can, you can like in humans, you can like Iron Fist, but you can't be a jerk. Uh, there was one more question that Rhiannon had kind of come up with that I thought was uh, that was interesting. Um, you know, we see a lot of these kid cartoon things, uh, and then we saw Deadpool it was supposed to be sort of an, an adult animated show that got the plug pulled. Uh, do you think that's indicative that Marvel won't go to a uh, like R-rated animated place, or is that was that just a timing thing with that Deadpool show? I can't see them doing that. I can't see them having a Deadpool cartoon. I know before we've talked about the the confusion about about parents taking their children to Deadpool 1 or whatever because they didn't know. They just thought it was a superhero show. Um, But can you imagine them doing an adult Deadpool cartoon? I would think the backlash would be substantially worse with a Deadpool cartoon. I mean, because uh, everything we've heard said it was Marvel's choice to to quit it. So, obviously, it's not like that show wasn't going to be a good quality show, you know? Do people really go into Adult Swim? Like, do you think there are, I mean, are many people in this day and age that open up, like, Archer and are like, oh my gosh, I did not realize that this was not wholesome children's entertainment. Like, I feel like those shows get marketed in a completely different way. They get put at a late night time slot. It's on like, a, well, I think Archer's on FX, but you know, you've got adult swim or whatever that are, you know, completely obviously adult markets. 
And I'm just thinking about it as, you know, Caleb gave all those examples of Clone Wars and um, I know the DC Justice League and all that. You know, like there's a lot of animated stuff for the kids, but that is a market that doesn't seem to have been penetrated by any of the big IPs is the adult, the adult cartoon market. But it does add, it definitely adds brand confusion once, if you attach that Marvel logo to it, you know. Even if it's in commercials or stuff, they might see the commercial and they're like, okay, well, that's kind of a weird time slot. But, I mean, I totally agree with you. I mean, a superhero adult show would be, you're almost going to have to, I don't want to say you have to have something like that. But, I mean, it would help ease a lot of MCU fans into kind of that connected universe we just got done talking about. I mean, sort of the Netflix Marvel side has been, you know, sort of the adult side. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot of confusion. I mean, I guess when Daredevil first came out, there was a little bit of talk about what toys and figures and stuff there would be because they didn't want children stumbling into a show where they would see somebody beheaded with a car door spoilers um there was there was you know just some sort of worries out there about marvel having such a dark property and i don't think they panned out i mean i don't hear a lot of stories about you know kids that love the avengers watching jessica jones and being traumatized by those early sex scenes or anything. Um, so, uh, you know, they, they've proven that they can go a lot of places with the brand. But I guess cartoons, like kids, gravitate. Do kids understand time slots, Caleb? Like, do... do... Well, see, that's what, that's what I was going to say. I thought it was kind of funny when you guys were like, well, but if you put it at the right time slot... No, what's going to happen, what what worries me as a parent is, and this is some of down to the app, like how Netflix and Hulu make their apps. What I worry about is my kid just like tooling around on Hulu, which we trend to not let them do by themselves. But you know, like you've got an eight or nine year old and you're like, put on a show and they're, they're tooling around and they see Deadpool and they're like, oh, hey, that's a cartoon. I can watch cartoons. Mom and dad always let me watch, you know, animated stuff. And they click it and there's F-bombs, you know, like it's just I, I think that's the concern is that you'd want to make sure that Hulu or Netflix or whatever is creating places in the app so that your kids are left in like the kid playpen of the app and they don't find themselves, you know, s- searching over onto something else like they stay in their profile or whatever. I think that's that's the bigger concern. But did they stumble into like BoJack Horseman? Because that's like a adult cartoon on Netflix there's it's already out there yeah i mean my kids don't because i'm i'm a decent parent but, you know like um I, you know i, I there, there certainly would be challenges eventually i think that way and there's always yeah. a line like um oh i forget what it is i've seen one or two shows on the kids portion of hulu and i was like i don't think i would put that there but that's because i just you know, I probably am more restrictive on my kids than other people are. So I don't know. Uh, another thing that has come up that people have talked about a little bit, DC does animated films, uh, pretty regularly. They do two or three a year and they use different comic book stories. And it also, 
um, has allowed them to do kind of Elseworld stuff. Like, they can do a Batman ninja or a Batman by Gaslight or whatever. Um, and the animation allows people to see kind of those Elseworld stories come to life that they haven't seen otherwise. As we get Disney streaming service, uh, would your interest be piqued by like a more adult kind of edged 16 or 02 or Marvel zombies or age of apocalypse or like one of those kind of concepts that's so far out there that they'll never actually make a movie of it, but that um, you'd like to see kind of those comics come to life by animation. Yeah, for sure. And I'm glad you did bring DC up uh, because they absolutely kill it with the animated stuff. I think the most recent stuff, you you did mention kind of these obscure storylines, and I believe they're current. They actually do have an animated movie universe with a, with a timeline and crossovers and all that stuff uh, with the same cast and crew and things of that nature. And the, that kicked off with Flashpoint, um, which is obviously a popular storyline, but it, it's something that probably won't ever happen in live action. Um, but I mean, even if they did an animated, they probably have already, but I like the nineties animated universe, you know, if they did, <coughs> excuse me, feature length films with, with the same voice cast and, and like a coherent timeline and things of that nature. I mean, that, that would be super cool to do obscure, really obscure events and such. I mean, are we ever going to see like a secret invasion in live action, maybe with the scrolls and stuff, um, but there, yeah, there, there's definitely some properties out there that will never see the light of the silver screen. Well, along those lines, um, they did the Spider-Man animated series in the '90s ended with Secret Wars, and it was like Spider-Man, the Thing, Mister Fantastic, Iron Man, Wolverine, Storm. Like they took all those characters from the different animated shows. And they threw them in together in Battle World with uh, Beyonder and all that kind of stuff, and that was super fun, you know, to watch as a fan. So, all right, I think that's a good conversation. Do you guys have any other thoughts on the animated bit before we move on? You've you've watched a fair share of the animated stuff, right? If I wanted to start with Marvel Animation, where would I start? Oh, that's a good question. So, I mean, I've not watched much of the new stuff, so I, um... What I remember is the stuff from the 90s when I was a kid. Um, personally, I think X-Men, the animated series, is the thing to watch. Um, the thing that, about it, I have a... I would have to do better research. Uh, when we talk about serialized storytelling and TV... And moving away from, like, episodic TV into, like, storylines that arc over an entire season. I think X-Men the Animated Series was revolutionary for TV, period. Okay, like, if you go back to, like, 94 or 93, whenever they started this, there's no Lost on television. There's no 24 on television, right? Everything was Mystery of the Week, Thing of the Week. I mean, X-Files hadn't even come out yet. And they were like, hey, let's do an animated series where we tell the Dark Phoenix storyline over 15 episodes. Like, that kind of storytelling just wasn't happening. I think it's really good. Also, if you want to know the X-Men comics pretty well without reading a comic, uh, I wouldn't suggest it, but those animated shows (laughs) do a really good job 
a lot of my X-Men lore that I know, I know from that animated series and it does pretty well. Like I know the, the basics of it. There's, you know, little things I miss here or there, but, um, yeah. So I would definitely, I definitely start with that. Um, it's, I think it's very good. So one other thing I thought about as we wrap this up, I, I do think there's a few properties that, uh, almost would be better animated than any other way. Like there's been talk of a moon girl and devil dinosaur. Um, that might be okay as a live action thing, but I think it'd probably be as good as a cartoon as anything. Uh, they keep talking about a power pack movie for kids too. just make it an animated power pack movie, you know, like, and just keep it really loosely connected. I think that could be, uh, that could be lots of fun. So let's do the mailbag. Um, love waffle on the website. Um, uh, was talking about the Guardians of the Galaxy director situation. He brought up, I think, a good point that we did not talk about too much is the hardest part of replacing James Gunn is to find another director who will feel comfortable taking his place. Uh, you would think that somebody who'd be asked to do that would kind of feel like a Benedict Arnold, like you would not want to be the guy who's coming in after this, this situation, knowing how much Gunn loves the property and how much he put into it. It'd be kind of hard to fill that director's chair, wouldn't it? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. And you're going to be held to a higher standard because everybody is going to be comparing you to that movie they expect a gun to do. I mean, I no matter what happens, they get a new director and stuff, I very much see the uh, the Last Jedi scenario playing out again. And no, I mean, it's not even going to be the new director's fault either. You know, there's just going to be the substantial amount of Twitter users in particular um, that aren't going to like it whatsoever, regardless. Yeah, I replied. That's kind of why I mentioned Ron Howard last week is Ron Howard's already done this for Disney where he came in and he finished a movie that they fired somebody off of. I mean, that was obviously a slightly different circumstance, but uh I mean, I, I hate the idea. I don't want to see a Ron Howard Guardians of the Galaxy movie. That sounds terribly boring, but uh, he's proven that he'll come in and do it. So, On Twitter, at uh, KingTY had mentioned that he was really on board with that idea of pushing Guardians of the Galaxy a few years down the road because he would love to see Black Panther 2 move up. Uh, so I think that would be interesting. At uh, Matt Turner Toad. Uh, he was the one that suggested that I do an entire episode in my fanboy moron voice, as he put it. So, yes. Uh, yeah, I do occasionally. Like, It's not as good. We have a guy who does sports radio here who does a stupid Boston um, sports fan voice. He's like, yeah, the Patriots, they're going to win everything. I can't do it as well as he does, but he does this like fake Boston accent that's an idiot that's a fan of the uh, local sports teams. That's very funny, but aren't most Boston accents idiotic <sighs> or not? The good people of Boston do not deserve this, Adam. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just an Iowan. What do I know? I'm a no coaster. I'm what, sorry. What are we going to talk about accents, Mr. Mumbles? <laughs> I know. I... <laughs> yeah, Mr. I'm Mumbles. Just, yeah, okay, I deserve that. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> Um, I think this is my formal apology to Mark Wahlberg and all Bostonians. You know, Tom Bra Tom Brady's not a Bostonian, though. No, he's not. He's, he's Southern California. Transplant. He's an expat. Well, he's a current pat, but he's an expat, yeah. you know. 
Ben Affleck and uh, Matt Damon. Matt John Damon. Krasinski. There's a lot of actors that are from John Boston. John Krasinski's from Boston. Yeah. Chris Evans is, if not yeah, Boston, that's right. Massachusetts. Chris Evans is a, is a Boston guy. I went to a Wahlburger the other day. Oh, the burger restaurant. Oh, How but was it? Not great. Yeah? Not impressive. Worse than yeah. Chick-fil-A? <laughs> yeah, I like Chick-fil-A, man. It was worse than Five Napkins, that's for sure. Five Napkins is a much better burger than a Wahlburger, so. Oh, I discovered that there's a Five Napkins not too far from me. I mean, which granted, of course, there's everything not too far from me, but closer than I thought. Where you live, it's just like a couple of blocks is like, you're like, ugh, I don't want to go to the Starbucks three blocks away. There's four of them within two blocks of me, right? (laughs) I don't like any of the five pizza places on my block that I can get to without crossing a street. Meanwhile, I'm driving two hours to see Infinity War. (laughs) All right, uh, Michael T. Ford left us lots of great uh, questions um, on Twitter. I'm going to pull one or two of them up, and we'll save a few for the future, I think. Um, his first one, I thought this was good. Uh, as far as we talk about Sony's movies and what they're developing, uh, would you rather see the Sony movies totally separate from the MCU, or would you like to see them um, kind of Netflix, uh, like a Netflix series? What's better, totally separate or connected, but they never actually connect? If they're totally separate, they would try to create their own Spider-Man, wouldn't they? Yes, probably. So, kind of (laughs) connected. Yeah. I mean, I think the challenge is... I I really wish I knew what this contract looked like. Like, can Marvel disallow them from making a Spider-Man movie? Like, surely they didn't sign up for that, but... It just it does seem interesting that it seems like Marvel has the reins and control to like stop them from doing that stuff. I think they're just like leasing Spider Man. I think they could have their own Spider Man if they want. I don't know. I've been wrong many times before. Sorry, the direction that they've been going, if they had their own power to create their own Spider Man, I just feel like we would have had an announcement of Spider Man. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Something. I agree. All right, I'll take one more. We talked about the uh, Guardian uh, last week that there is a Game of Thrones level budget Star Wars show coming to Mouseflix. Uh, if we could pick one Marvel project that could get a TV show with a ten million dollar an episode budget, uh, what would you want it to be? Squadron Supreme. It is not going to be big enough for a movie, I don't think, but it needs more than a Netflix budget. Remind me again, that's like Sentry and... No, 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 no. That's Hyperion, Nighthawk, Wizard. It's the Marvel. It's blatant knockoff of Justice League. You have, like, the Power Princess. You have uh, uh, Dr. Spectrum, who's kind of like a Green Lantern and Construct guy. Um, You have an Amphibian. I think the Amphibian person is just called Amphibian actually but it's a blatant for if you think of a justice league member there is a squadron supreme person just like it there's nuke um yeah a lot of powers and flying and things like that we won't ever get on netflix show i think i would go with she hulk i'm not sure if 10 million an episode is enough to to do a full she hulk show but i mean the i think everybody feels like she hulk would be best made for tv um and that you could do a lot of fun things with some comedy and drama 
dramedy. I mean, yeah, dramedy, right? Like the drama, comedy, legal stuff. Uh, but the concern is you just can't have Hulk CGI for an entire episode. But if you had 10 million bucks, could you make that work? I, I think so. I mean, I think She-Hulk would be my option if I was given that much money. So, I mean, I think you could definitely do it for 10 million. I just, what I was just looking up is Legion. Yeah, because Legion is pretty special effects heavy. It has, you know, medium star power. What do you guys think they spend on Legion? Uh, I guess three million an episode. I was gonna say three million, so I will say three point one million. It's four. It's four. I was closer. Okay. Ha. It's four. Price is right rules. I think Adam wins, but um, because of that three point one. It. So I mean, if they can do Legion for four million an episode, they can do anything. So why haven't we gotten a dragon yet? Open Google. How much does a VFX dragon cost? <laughs> Call up Game of Thrones, man. I'm always amazed. I've seen a couple of like Daredevil uh, stunt video CGI like reels. I mm-hmm. don't realize how much of Daredevil is CGI'd. Like um, even the explosions and stuff. They don't do a lot with practical explosions. A lot of them are like CGI explosions, you know? Yeah, so I don't know if you know, they film some stuff in a soundstage, and then they go yeah, outside. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of visual effects, I, I'm not going to say it. Uh, but the other one is like when he has the big fight with Nobu, and he gets all cut up and like all that stuff. They didn't actually cut up Charlie Cox, a lot of that CGI. If people haven't seen that special effects reel, there it's somewhere out there the nobu fight the special effects person or i don't think it was like um i don't think it was the stunt coordinator uh but who i'm drawing a blank on but i totally know his name um that is an amazing video watching how they did the nobu fight anytime they catch somebody on fire that is amazing behind the scenes video (laughs) wait they don't actually light them on fire it's amazing yes they do, Adam. Oh, they do. They do. I thought that was against the law in New York. <laughs> so that's why I figured they were moving to Los Angeles. <laughs> so they could light everyone on fire. <laughs> we keep going with this. We'll have to explain it. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm going to have a hard time figuring out how to edit this episode. So we're talking about special effects. I've been watching The Gifted to like catch up on it so that I can talk about it meaningfully when it comes back on TV. That show does more brilliant things to do powers on the cheap than any show I've ever seen. Like there's a guy whose power it is to like do image manipulation and like make it feel like you're somewhere you're not. And it's just green screen. And it, it, it it looks obviously green screen, but it's supposed to because like, you know, that his powers would feel that way. And it's just, it's incredible what they do on that show with not much money. So Thanks for listening to the podcast. You can interact with us lots of ways. If you want to send us a message on Twitter at Marvel News Desk, you can also communicate with us via our MarvelNewsDesk.com posts every week. If you want to support the show, feel free to give us a dollar a month over at Patreon.com slash Marvel News Desk. You will get access to our special MCU film ranking episode, as well as um, a early access to some of our videos, including one coming very soon. 
Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash marvelnewsdesk or subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's watch.marvelnewsdesk.com. You can help the show be more visible if you want to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. The most important thing you do every week, however, is you listen and you tell your friends. Thank you so much for that. We really appreciate it. Uh, we like, also want to thank Tim Cox for our logo. You can find him on Instagram at Tim V Cox. And also thank you to Alvin for the theme music. You can find his music across a variety of social media platforms at the skull school. I think that does it for this week. And, um, we will be back next week to talk about something else. You guys have a good week. Talk to you later. Bye. <laughs>